Abba Yahweh, again a day that you have made. Grace me with breath. <clears throat> Walk to stay with me, Father. You've given us a gift of forethought to be able to pre-plan things, Father. It gets us into trouble because we don't use it properly, which is the case with so many of your gifts. Often misused, abused, or misspoken. Thank you, Father, for your guidance, your love. Walk through this day with me. Guide me. Teach me. Holy Spirit, guard my tongue. Guide my steps. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Baraklitos Aman. Pardon me. So that's an issue that we definitely have. God, God gives us so many gifts and there are examples all around us on how those gifts are misused, misused, abused, and maligned. Outright twisted and used for selfish lucre and the purposes of self. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees Straight up, I you know I like the way he talks about it when he about things when he he just comes straight out. He's not see the things you have to observe and you have to read and understand that Jesus is. If you notice, he also spoke differently to others than he did to the Sanhedrin. He knew hearts of others. He was firm. But he was kind, he was compassionate and loving. And he came and he would just speak firmly to them, but he he was he would pour out his spirit of compassion on them, and that was Jesus. When he spoke to the Sanhedrin, he also knew their hearts. And he knew that they were full of lies, deceit, untruth, arrogance. There were a few that he spoke with differently. He actually invited Nicodemus to come and see the difference. You see, because Nicodemus in his heart and some of his students, they knew that there was something that was calling and something different. And you find it in the book of Psalms is that even before we are talked to or taught about the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said, I leave, so I will ask my Father to send another because I have to go and prepare a place for you. I have to go and make sure and oversee that this this is, is done. That's what I came to take care of you, to make sure that you had <clears throat> admissions to the gate. And now I have to go make sure that everything is in order. But... There will be another come in my stead and he will teach you, he will guide you, he will make things clear to you, give you understanding of things that you don't understand. But here's the thing like a comforter, I've shared this before. Are you going to take a pretty comforter blanket and fold it and put it on the back of the couch and then you go take to use it and you get hollered at. That's not what that's for. That's just to look at. 
So the Holy Spirit, our comforter, are we going to use it? Are we going to utilize it for its purpose? Or are we just going to look at it? We're going to sit back and kind of tilt our head side to side like my dogs do when they're trying to understand me. You're trying to understand, but you don't ask. So you don't get an answer. We have a guide for our steps. The Pharisees were so arrogant. And and here's one of the things too is that (laughs) <laughs> and this is Jesus Jesus actually he abhorred religion for the very reason that I'm sh- going to share with you as is with the Pharisees there are people that are practicing Phariseeism today in their arrogant application of religion <clears throat> Jesus detested religion why? Because there were so many rules established. You couldn't join a church unless you did all these little ritualistic things. And you couldn't partake in communion without doing the stand up, sit down, lean to the left, lean to the right. Rah, 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 fight, fight, fight. There are so many little ritualistic aspects to that religion. And to be in that religion, you had to adhere to all these little attributes, shall we call them, to be a member of that religion. The only religion that stands out, if you must call it that, and it's not even that because those rules don't apply, so I don't even call it that, following. There are certain guidelines you want to Accept Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God. You want to have faith in God and believe in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And before you cross the threshold of any church, any church, any church, you try the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you that that would be a good home or the Holy Spirit is going to guide you away from it. But you have to listen. You must listen. And trying the Spirit is not a bad thing and we are actually told to do so because there are many that establish a religion and you must follow their little rules and do their little ritualistic thing and God only comes out on special occasions when it suits their fancy they'll pull them out of the little ornate carved box and they'll evoke God to be there and the Holy Spirit to be there, but only when it suits their fancy. Other than that, it's their arrogance, their words, their misuse. And brothers and sisters, I have visited a number, visiting acquaintances and friends that moved and went to places. And there are those pastors, and nothing they speak is anything but anecdotal. Nothing from the scripture. I shared with you that the the pastor, the one church I was pretty fond of, and there was, uh, and this is the other thing, you get so caught up in the politics within the church, and they ousted the pastor, told him he had to go. They didn't like it because he was following the word of God too much, and it left them without that element of control that they desired so strongly. So they ousted him. 
And this alleged pastor that came in place was nothing from the word of God. He came up, he stood up on the stage behind the dais and spoke up there from that podium. Carried a Bible up there. I think it was a Bible. It appeared to be maybe some book. I have no idea what it was, but he never one time opened it. He didn't one time recite a scripture. Could not give you a chapter or verse for a scripture. Everything he told were all stories about what he would do, what I did, and what happened when I did this. And this. Now, see, there's a difference between a testimony, because in a testimony, you're, it's something that happened to you specifically, but the glory is given to God. You don't ever take that upon yourself. It's just like, I love God allows me to do this special blessing that I do for the church, and whenever anyone comes up and they're just, uh, they're adorable, especially the children. They are adorable, and, and the primary reason is for them. And they're all thankful. I said, let me explain something to you. I said, I am God's delivery man. I carry the packages. God is giving this. This gift is from God, and he allows me to carry it here. You thank God, and you're welcome. You know, I don't, uh, I don't brush them off rudely. They're children for Pete's sake, and even adults when they come up. And of course, they're more understanding, but I tell them, I said, this is from God. I get to carry it here, and I have that privilege because it is a privilege when God has you to do something. Just like this that I do, this podcast that God has shown me, given to me, and allows me to share his word and his gospel. This is a gift from God. And I am honored to be able to do this thing. It's an honor, a privilege. And I don't ever want to malign it by making something my platform. And he's very uh, he's very uh, open about it. If I'm doing something that is leaning that direction, he just shuts it off. That's happened a couple times where I was going to too much of a platform. And sometimes you all think that it, it sounds very much like my platform, but you have to understand that God allows me to share certain things because it fits into with what's going on with us around us today. So he allows that sharing. But what we have to make sure of that we're doing all the time is that we need to relax, sit back, Sometimes wait and listen and just meditate on God and absorb that healing touch that he brings. And just sort of, (laughs) I hesitate to almost use this metaphor, but to wallow in his presence and his glory. And people think of a swine, but, you know, they do that not because they're filthy animals. They do that to keep off the bugs and to help them stay cool. Well, I wallow in the presence of my Lord. He brings that divinity. He brings that blessing. He brings that kindness and love. And just to just be bathed in that, to just have it all over you. Have it all over me just to turn around and just to be joyful and happy in it. 
which is what he desires for us to do and not to go off half cocked like so many people do and you have and you have all these rules to apply the practice of phariseeism there were so many rules and you see what they got caught up in was the law the law the law which is why they came at Jesus the way they did they were so into that and they ignored everything else and <laughs> A lot of people don't know it about the Sanhedrin, but they were at constant battle with one another. You had, you had the Pharisees who basically read all the manuscripts in the Torah together, and they went on, and then they went into the words of the prophets, and they understood a little bit more, and they put some things together. And then you had the Sadducees. The first five books were all that mattered. They were, at, they were so adamant about the law of Moses. And Jesus violated the law of Moses. He was violating the law of Moses. The five laws that were written down that God gave Moses. And they only took the first five laws. And they were strict. And if you violate any of that, you could be stoned. You could be, and you were crucified. How blind, how absolutely blind and arrogant that they were applying their religious fanatical beliefs to everyone else. Now, granted, even today, there are cults, peoples, and if you don't believe like them, they're going to shoot you in the face. Quite literally, that's happened. Sad, really sad. But the problem is that those very persons that are trying to administer that ruling are actually in violation of everything that they preach about. Everything. If you actually listen and pay attention to what they're saying, they are in violation, direct violation, and contrary to the word that they speak. Or that they try to shove down everyone else's throats. And then you have those that are rising up in that, and I hear him speak of that in conversation all the time, and, and I have one individual that actually is kind of a, a little bit nervous, was, was not this way at all, but now he's getting really sarcastic, he's really getting um, out there, and he makes comments, and it's kind of sad because we used to get on quite well. We didn't agree with everything, and we, you don't have to agree with everything. And here's the thing about being a Christian, a true Christian, an honest Christian, and not just a label Christian, not just self-proclaimed. You don't have to agree with everything everyone says. Jesus certainly didn't. But he didn't detract any kindness, compassion, or love from them. Excuse me. He was hanging on the cross and dying, and just before he said, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Just before that happened, he looked down and saw all the Pharisees and the Sadducees sitting down there. Yeah, yeah, now we did it. Now we got him. We got him on the cross. Oh, we got him right where we want. Oh, no, they didn't. They only took him to a stepping stone that he was using. And he looked down at them. And crying, weeping, he then held his head up and he looked to heaven. And he said, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's a pretty important statement right there. Because when you have arrogant individuals, 
And there are those that are really, really arrogant in this world today. Even in your own workplace, if they're really arrogant and they think that they know all there is to know and you can't share anything with them. And then when you ask a very pointed question, they don't have an answer. They can't answer. They don't even bother going to look for an answer. They just walk away. And they might have a comment like, just get it done. Just do what I tell you. Blah, blah. You know, and it goes on like that. I can, I can cite many <laughs> because there are individuals like that. Sadly, in the military, individuals like that usually wind up getting people killed. Physically killed. That's unfortunate. And that's a sad thing. Brothers and sisters, do not let arrogance trip you up in your walk with the Lord. You do not know everything. And as I cited about the Phariseeism and the Pharisaical attitude, and their thing was that they, they multiplied regulations and rules, basically creating for themselves their own form of being godly. And when Jesus, the only begotten son of the Lord, got a part and parcel of the heavenly father himself, remember, it's a triune spirit, father, son, holy ghost. <coughs> and I, I'm not sure I keep, I think I keep mispronouncing this word. But our lead pastor, Dr. Jamie Miller, thank you, I love this man. I love that man. He preaches differently, and all preachers do. James Albright, Micah, they all preach differently. But what I feel and I get from them and Graydon and Isaiah, the ones that come up on the stage and preach, they have different styles. They have different ways of presentation. But the one thing that is constant, continuous, and like God took that thread. Remember I, I told you that God, man, it's amazing when he sews things together. <clears throat> there is no puckering of the material. Basically, you can't even really see the stitch. And he takes them and he, he weaves them all together. And it comes from the word of God. Unlike the Pharisees who multiplied their rules and their regulations for their own form of godliness. And if you do not adhere to those rules, you may be stoned. You will be cast away and you can be crucified. Which is why when Jesus came and Mary was with child and Joseph was afraid because he knew in that culture, in that time, that Mary could have been stoned to death because she faulted the family. She shamed them. But when the angel came to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take her for wife because what she carries is of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and there is a purpose for this and you shall call his name Emmanuel. God in us, God with us. His name will be Jesus. And he was born in a stable, laying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloth. That cloth is used to help lambs 
sheep give birth to the lamb. So if there's difficulty, they wrap it around the lamb because it's a soft cloth. It won't cut into them. And you pull it out gently and help the ewe. And Mary wrapped them in that because it's all they had available. I mean, the innkeeper <clears throat> did not want to run them off. He felt compassion for them and he wanted to give them kindness, but everything was packed. There was no hotel room to where they could get a basin of water. There was nothing. And they had to clean this. They had to muck the stables. If you don't know what mucking the stable is, that's when you go in with a shovel or a pitchfork and you clean everything out because what? The animals are going to go... They go over to a corner away from their bed and they will poop or pee in a corner. They don't ever sleep on that stuff. And then you go in with a shovel or a pitchfork and you have to muck the same. You have to clean up the muck and put fresh bedding. All before Mary came in to be like, Joseph had to muck the stables. He had to clean up the area where they were going to sleep and stay. He had to clean it. And put down fresh straw. Goodness gracious, he couldn't have his wife give birth in that. So we clean the stable, put fresh straw, put fresh straw in the manger so Jesus had a crib to lay in. Came into this world humbly. But then you flip the coin over and you have the pharisaical attitude that goes on nowadays. They made themselves and their rules and they get completely enamored with all that they've got going on. They totally forget the compassion, the kindness and love of God that we are told to share. They forget that and you have to adhere to their rules, their bylaws. And it's like a secret knock at the door. When you go to a church, you got a secret knock. Rap, 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 rap. Rap, 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 rap. And then some priest will slide a little thing over the door and look side to side and out there and lick you up and down and close the door, open the door to you and then say, okay, you know the secret knock, but you don't have the right kind of shoes on. You don't have the right kind of pants on. So next time you want to come here, you better dress properly. And then he looks side to side and he lets you come in. What is that? And <laughs> Okay, so I'm exaggerating a little bit, but goodness gracious, there are religions that are like that. You have to have a certain dress code. You have to be a certain way. And they practice a Phariseeism hardcore, hardline. And then they dare ask Jesus, said, what do you hang out with all those people for? Look at that. You got the sinners. You got, you got women that are supposed prostitutes. You got sick, lame, lazy they don't work. They can't work. They're, they got no eyesight. They have no feeling. Their hands are withered. Why do you hang out with And you hang out with the publicans, tax collectors. Well, here's the funny thing about that is that Matthew, boy, he got it. And he got it from Simon Peter heartily and the others. And Simon had a way of twisting words around. That wasn't what Matthew was. That's what he did. That was a job. That wasn't... It afforded him a chance when he was younger was younger. I think there was a lot more things going on with Simon Peter and the others that he convinced them of is that they were actually I think they were jealous of Matthew, quite honestly, from reading the scriptures back and forth and going into that. I think there was a jealousy thing going on because Matthew at a very young age, he bought a house. His mother and father couldn't afford 
than he had. He had nice clothes. He had good food. And he had people that would come and, and wait on him. Matthew learned to speak languages at a young age. He learned numbers at a young age. And it was brought to the attention of the Roman magistrate in the region. So they put Matthew to work as a tax collector. But Matthew not only worked for them, the church, the Sanhedrin, they were getting their cut too. Oh yeah, Matthew was, (laughs) they were getting their cut. They openly, in front of people, they would complain and gripe, but they were getting, they were getting a portion or they were getting an allocation, shall we say. Their taxation was not as heavy-handed, perhaps. But yet, openly, in front of everyone else, they were complaining gripe at him. And they blamed him for being a traitor to the people. Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on there, Baba Louie. That's a... uh, And a local statement that goes back to Quick Draw McGraw. Sorry. I... Some of you might know who that is. But, uh, yeah, hold on there a minute. Matthew was doing a job. And they got their portion back, but openly they would say something about him as being a traitor. He was doing a job, again, I say. It's what he did, not what he was. His heart was breaking. He was asked pointedly, well, what did you ever give up? What did you do? What did you leave? Wait a second. He couldn't even go back to visit his mother and father because they detested him. They detested their own son. Maybe not so much mom because moms have a different kind of heart, but sometimes that happens as well. Dad didn't want him in the house because he was a traitor to their people. He was collecting taxes from them. He was doing his job. I think dad had a little bit of self-imposed jealousy going on as well because Matthew had a fine house. He had fine clothes. He had money. He was paid his job that he did quite well, and they paid him handsomely. That's all Matthew did. He didn't want to be poor. He saw the poor people in the street and he didn't want to be like that. And he tried to help folks. He did. He had a heart of compassion. And when Jesus came by and said, follow me, Matthew was so confused. He's looking around for another Matthew. Who, what, me? You want me? And then what did Jesus say? He looked right in the eye and that look. You know, the thing that Jesus had was fairly consistent, I think, was that look. Um, For you married folks out there, wives have a look. When they give you a look, you know what they mean and there's no words spoken. When children get that look, they know that there is action that must be taken without a word being spoken. When Jesus gave that look, they knew. He'd, he'd say something verbally, and then they'd look around and like, who, me? 
and then he just gives him that look. And I think sometimes the look that I have, I, I love, get a lot of naysayers about this program, but I love The Chosen because it gives a, a different perspective. It's a translation. Understand this. It's a translation of the word of God. It's a way that people can see. And I like it because they show Jesus being exactly the way Jesus was and the way Jesus is. Jesus, when he was here, he was a people person. And he is still a people person. Before he came and was born, it was all about us. It wasn't about religion. It wasn't about anything like that. It was about us. What was he thinking before he came down here? He was thinking about me. And each and every single one of you out there can say the exact same thing, and it would not be untrue. Well, no, he was thinking about me. True. And the next person, well, he was thinking about me. True. And here's the thing that is different than all these other pharisaical attitudes and organizations and groups and all these other people. For God so loved the world. It's not about any color. It's not about any race. It's not about any country. It's not about anything else. All lives matter to the Lord God, Abba, Yahweh, maker of all things, made ancient of days, Adonai, El Shaddai, Elohim. All lives matter to him. It isn't one particular one, but yet all these outfits, they, they feed on the white noise interference that Satan pours into them. And they seem to thrive on that. They, they are nurtured by that instead of the truth. And what the Bible tells us about that, it is a spiritual warfare because Satan is driving derisiveness. Satan is the liar, the destroyer, the separator, the divider. Everything about his actions is to divide and separate, to conquer by hatred and get you to perish. He wants you to die in physicality from this plane of existence, but in so doing that you perish because you will not be with God and your loved ones in heaven. <clears throat> when you go and you follow his way and you don't decide to follow Jesus, and, and here's the thing about, you have to remember about Jesus, what I shared with you about the Pharisees <clears throat> and the Phariseeism that occurs now. Jesus didn't practice any of that. There were no rules to follow. And this is what they griped about. And they didn't understand when Jesus said, hey, I'm with them because they're the sick and they need the physician. You don't need the physician. You deny the physician. You deny anything that I am about and the reason that I came. You deny it. You rebuke me. You refuse to have me in your company. And just like when he was at Simon's house, this is a different Simon, not Simon Peter, not Simon Peter the Rock, who would be the, the cornerstone of the church, not that Simon, a different Simon. This Simon that Jesus was invited to his house, he was a leader in the group of the Pharisees. He was an elder. And when the woman showed up with her alabaster box, with the ointment. She knocked, the door was open, and she just walked in, and she walked straight to Jesus. And then immediately there was a confounded cacophony of, what, what, what's she doing here? How did she, who are you? Do you even know what she is? Do you know who she is? 
What is going on? Immediately, Jesus rebuked them because of their little rules and their little self-imposed sanctity and their arrogance. And he rebuked Simon, whose house he was in. Very nice house, by the way. So they had their, their little deal. You talk about Matthew. No, let's talk about them. So he rebuked him. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. When I came to your house, as, the, as this is your house, you did not offer me anointing. You did not provide me a bowl to my feet. She cleans my feet and she anoints me and tends to me with her own hair. And she dried his feet, took a cloth and put it on. Then she anointed his feet. And she sat just to hear his teaching. This pharisaical, arrogant, pompous, pious, in other words, it can be used. And we'll call him a jackass. That's true. That's not a bad word. That's true. Because he was so stubborn and he would just plop himself down on his arrogant behind and would refuse to budge. Well, Jesus got him to budge. And I'm quite certain that he crawled back inside himself and was sitting there going, oh, man. And he did that in front of everybody. They all heard him. Well, yeah, you had that coming. Your arrogance, you didn't even anoint his feet. You didn't anoint his head. You didn't welcome him. You didn't even wash his feet. But everybody else you did, but not Jesus. Hmm. That in and of itself should be a huge statement. Might not be to some, but see, I tend to look at things a little differently. Being that he accepted the fact that others were of his ilk and Jesus was not, so they were not going to afford him the rest respect and be of a good way with him. He didn't get he didn't get what they were doing, so they weren't going to treat him well. And they didn't. They crucified him. And I'm quite certain that that Simon was probably at the crucifixion. And yet Jesus lifted his eyes to his father. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And like the Pharisees, you have a lot of these religions that are making up rules and how you're supposed to live as a quote-unquote Christian. But see, let me remind you again, and I've done it a few times, and there are many things that I will repeat because they bear repeating and they're important. The word Christian means of Christ or Christ-like. Just like a Texan is of Texas or from Texas, a Bostonian is of Boston or from Boston. A Philadelphian is of Philadelphia from Philadelphia. You have, and, and so it goes. A Christian is of Christ and from Christ. But you have many that, as I say, they run around with that label that's tattooed on their forehead or they stick it up there before they go out in the day each day on Sunday only. No other day of the week, on Sunday only, they take that tape and they put that up there and they slap it on their forehead and on their way to the car. Somebody says, oh, I didn't know you were Christian. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. No, you're not. <clears throat> you're a self-imposed Christian. You're a label brand. You're not, you're not branded. You're just a label brand. And people buy clothes like that. Goodness gracious. 
People go out and they buy a Tommy Hilfiger just because it had that name on it. I don't know if it, they still do that, but I, there was a day when that was it. If you didn't have a Tommy Hilfiger shirt or pants or shoes or whatever and had his brand on it and people could see that brand, they'd see that brand for blocks. And if you were going to school together, they'd run up to you and go, oh man, your mom and dad let you get that. Nah, nah, nah. People do that today just so they can be seen, but it's not truthful. It's a facade. And the rules that are set about for people to operate in that certain way, <clears throat> and then the focus becomes on their actions or their performance or how they're, ah, there we go, they're acting out, actions, performance. Hmm. Totally synonymous stage, performance. It's a performance. Now, there are precepts that God makes that we should follow and adhere to, but it doesn't prevent us from coming and seeking his truth, knowledge, and wisdom. It just means that we should be, if we're following his word and his guidance and being of his love, as I've shared a few times, they will know we are Christians by our love. A lion does not have to go around roaring and walk up to somebody, give them a hard stare in the eye and then just roar in their face so their hair blows backwards. Lion doesn't have to do that. People see a lion coming, they know it's a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah, when he comes back, they will know that this is Christ the Lord. Anointed of God, the Lord, the King of Kings, my Jesus coming back as he promised. They will know, just like a true Christian, they will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. We don't have to run around with a label slapped on our head with giant big three-inch tall letters saying, I am Christian. Immediately when I've got people that do that or they want to throw that out there, I immediately begin to pray and I don't really want to hear. I, I find a blockage there, so I ask for the Holy Spirit to guide because when they start doing things like that, they are doing that for their self-performance. And performing you to be drawn to them. Right? That's not what this is about. Just like I tell folks when they come up and thank me. And I say, that's okay. I said, that's good. I said, but this is from God. God provides this to me so that I can provide for you. I pray the prayer of Shabez to my Lord God Almighty. And he blesses me to bless others. And I tell them, you thank God. Thank God for his provision. This, I'm, just, I'm just the delivery guy. I'm just the postal carrier. I'm his FedEx delivery. I'm his UPS guy. I'm the USPS, whatever you want to call it. I said, I just delivered the gift that God gave to me that I could carry it and bring it here. That's all this is about. That's all I'm about is to deliver. I'm a conduit that God uses to deliver his truth. Some folks might not like the truth or my presentation, well, I don't need your validation. So as I've said before, I don't care. I do, but I don't. God allows for my presentation or my actions and the way that I am and do this because I 
<laughs> he knows that I'm this way, but he also knows my heart, that my heart is in the truth. I'm not going to make things up to make myself something that I'm not. I just want you to know and that it's when we draw closer to God, we spend time with God, we abide with God, and we stay in his word and we meditate on him. <clears throat> that we become more and more like Christ and we don't have to wear a label or a tape thing on our forehead. Here's, the, here's this absolutely beautiful thing about the authority that Jesus walked with. And here's the thing, when you have his authority, you don't need to roar like a lion and let everybody know that you're there. There were many wanderings that Jesus did through his course of his life before they crucified him. People knew who he was by word of mouth. He didn't have to come and, ba, 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 I'm here, I'm here. I'm Jesus Christ from heaven, I'm here. Didn't have to do that. He didn't have to have his disciples. He just walked in humbly, quietly. When he walked in on Palm Sunday, he rode a donkey's colt into the city side saddle so that his feet wouldn't drag on the ground. That's about as humble as you can get. <clears throat> And then everybody else knew who he was. But you see how quickly that died down when they took him and he didn't destroy everybody that put their hands on him and they didn't do what they expected him to do. The thing about Jesus is he never did what they expected him to do. He was always doing contrary to what they expected. However, the authority that he carried with him, they knew who he was as I know who he is. No announcements, no trumpets. There will be trumpets when he comes back because he's coming back as something that we know he is, but that we haven't seen him as. We're going to see him in his glory. We're going to see him as the crowned Lord of lords and King of kings and Lion of the tribe of Judah. When he comes back, he will have an entourage and he will be announced and he will be coming back on his steed with a flaming sword and his eyes will be a fire. <sighs> and he will come with the hosts of heaven and he's going to come to take believers, believers, true believers, not the label made taped on the forehead, but true believers. His authority preceded him, just like when he encountered demons or what they, what they called them, the demoniacs, because they, were, they had demons within them. Mary Magdalene, who incidentally, the scriptures, nowhere in the scripture does it say Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And I hear this debate going on all the time. Why does it have to be a date, debate of what she was? She lived in the red quarter of the city because it was a cheap place to live. That didn't necessarily mean that she was a prostitute. The Roman soldiers probably came in and tried to molest her all the time. But nowhere in the scripture does it say Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. And I hear so-called Christians saying, oh yeah, Jesus saved the prostitute Mary. Nowhere in the Bible can you find anywhere that it says Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Okay, so let's get that. That's done. That's clear. Nowhere. But she had demons that were in her. She had seven demons that Jesus took her and said, Mary Magdalene, you are mine. I call you by name. I have made you. She knew that she was now not just speaking to Christ, the only begotten Son of God, that she was speaking to God and he spoke truth. And 
he drove them out. When he encountered the demonically possessed man in the tombs, who was running around naked, nobody could hold him. He beat people up and they were wounded because he was strong. And Jesus came and he cast them out. And when he demanded of them their name, they said, I am called Legion because there are many of us in here. I had 500 demons were in his house. And Jesus just told them, said, be gone. And they didn't want to die. They didn't want to be. So he cast them off into the swine. And the swine, of course, jumped into the ocean. You know the story if you read it. But importantly, most importantly, is that Jesus had no announcements made. The demons recognize who he was, who he is, and they recognize his authority. When that man in the tombs, naked, came and met him, the demons spoke. Jesus Christ, thou son of God, we know who you are. You came to destroy us. No, he just came to kick you out of the house that you were staying in. Time for you to go. Time ago. And you and the demon spoke and said, Jesus Christ, anointed of God. That word Christ, anointed of God. It's not his first name, his middle name, or last name. That's what he is. Jesus, anointed of God. Christ. They knew who he was. His authority preceded him. Didn't have to be announced. Didn't have to roar like a lion. Although he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's his representation. So I share that to share this. And that knowing and spending time and abiding with God in his presence that the triune spirit comes and they will know that we are Christians by our love, by our love, not our loud, cantankerous attitude and kicking stuff around and making an announcement. Ta-da, I'm here at church. Here I am. Here I am today. Look at me. Look at me. Don't need to be doing that. You just walk in. You come in. You worship God. You praise God. And that's why you are in his house. We are a gathering people. You do so to be with others, to worship him, to sing praises to him, and to hear the teaching of the word of God. Not to chump out a heralding of your arrival. That's not true Christianity. But there are those that like that. got to pray for those pray for them <laughs> this is a, this is good. I, I love this reading um, I'm going to actually share this one and it's the first one in line there uh, pardon me I'm mumbling don't mind me I'm talking to myself I'm an old guy I can get away with that stuff so in the book of Psalms 46 There's a couple things, actually, that I have highlighted in here and I want to share. So 46, 
verse 1 and 2. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Listen to that. A very present help in trouble. God will not leave nor forsake. That is his promise. That is his truth. That is his might. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Sila. That is a word that is just sort of... David, it's, it's a poetic phrase that just means rest. Or in a musical movement, you have uh, what is called sometimes a coda. It's just sort of a rest place. There's a pause and a lull that takes place. And then it starts up again. <clears throat> so basically what that's for, poetically and musically, is for that that you have just heard and witnessed to soak in for a moment. So these words that David is sharing, let that soak in, rest, and think about what I just read to you. Though the mountains be cast, and you see these things happening, be not troubled. And though the oceans are roaring and the mountains shake, rest. Take a pause and know that I am the Lord. And we read further in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, rest. Isaiah says, Be still and know that I am the Lord thy God. Rest. Pause. Kick back. You don't have to run around. Hmm. And then we're going to flip over in Matthew. Jesus heartily rebuking, admonishing the Pharisees. And this is very profound because this is what I was sharing with you. And this can be found in Matthew 23. In God's authority, he was admonishing the Pharisees and rebuking their authority, that they that their self-proclaimed authority. And if it applies to you, then repent and pray about it. And if it doesn't apply to you and it's not what you're doing then don't get your knickers in a twist and get all of them. They that seek offense shall surely find offense. 
Like my mother and father, earthly mother and father used to tell me, if the shoe fits, wear it. If you did it and that blame is you, don't sit there when they've got us gathered around when they used to admonish the, the brotherhood, <laughs> the five brothers. And then we were so busy, like, I didn't do that. That's not me. That's not me. What they used to just say is, if the shoe fits, wear it. And if it doesn't, then don't try to put it on. Don't try to make it something that isn't there. So if it doesn't apply to you, then don't fret. But people want to do that. They want to absorb everything that's being said and bring it on them, and it doesn't apply. So in Matthew 23 and 13, I'm going to jump over here, and I'm going to start sharing with that. But but this is Jesus, and he's blasting them because he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make your long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. And what is he saying? They're taking and stealing from the people. This is one thing that they all wanted to blame Matthew out openly because of the taxation, but what he did is he allowed them to seize things that didn't belong to them because of the taxation. And it wasn't him personally making the allowance. It was the rules and the laws that he was adhering to. Simple. But they blamed him because he was the guy that signed paperwork and all that stuff. But see, that's how, how the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, got their money. And they were actually quite wealthy. Because these properties, they obtained at a very cheap nominal thing. And then they resold or... They would rent them out. Oh, yeah, they had that in those days, too. If somebody could could live in the house pretty much as if it was theirs and do things and all that, but they were paying for it. It wasn't theirs. And for their pretense, they're standing out of the marketplace, bobbing and weaving around and making all these loud orations so that people would look at them. And what he's saying is, is, you've got your reward. This is what you're looking for. You've got it. And because you're taken away from those that are in real need, so, oh, greater will you be your damnation. Because the judgment will come to them, as it does to all. But... Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. So they're so worried about making this person follow what they're telling him. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple... It is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. He fools him blind for whether it is greater the gold of the temple that sanctifieth the gold. Hmm. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. He fools and blind for whether it is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. But basically what Jesus is telling you're shutting everything that he is about. You're shutting that off from everyone out that is looking for that truth. 
but because of your rules and your sanctity and your arrogance, you're shutting that door. They have no opportunity. And they're not allowed in because they don't look right, they don't smell right, they don't dress right. And they don't grovel at your feet. So here's the thing that that John shares, and, and this is great. And this can be found in John, first chapter. I'm going to jump over there, pardon me. John 1. Oh, sorry. First John. Pardon me, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And I lost him. I had it and I lost him. I'm old. Not my fault. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so we go to First John. Pardon me, Peter. First John. Third chapter. And I'm going to start in the first verse because it's great and I have it highlighted and it's a good thing anyway. To be selfless. No expectations from anyone. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. That's an important thing. you got to look around and see what's going on. Nobody really wants to have anything to do with true Christians. Why? Because they tell the truth. And sadly, and this is also very true, and some people that have that label on their head that call themselves Christians, they don't want to hear truth either. They would rather be lied to. They would rather be pampered. They would rather be mm, everything told to them, a lie, and have them misdirected. And that lie sounds very nice. But when they're told the truth, you know, that dress does make you look fat. And that perfume, it's disgusting. Okay, you don't have to be cruel to it, but tell the truth. You know, you ask, you ask my opinion, and I hesitate because I don't want to upset you, but... Yeah, that, that dress is not very becoming. Well, what do you mean? So-and-so told me it was gorgeous on me. Do you want the truth or do you want to hear what you want to hear? See, that's what most of the problem is, is that people want to hear a certain thing and when somebody shares the truth with them and it's not what they want to hear, they shut the door immediately. They slam the door. But in your truth, be kind. You don't have to be discourteous. You don't have to be unfeeling. I mean, you can sort of feel out the situation and ask the Holy Spirit to guide your tongue. The Holy Spirit will help you tell them the truth, but do so in a way that is honest, but also not hurtful. It can be done. Further, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. So those expectations that we have, 
many are of the world, but know that they are lies and that they are actually transgressions of the law, which is spoken of in the Bible. And remember this too, is that God is just not teaching of the law, of the word, but he also reminds us that there are certain rules that we have to follow while being here. Have a blessed day. You're in my